Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. This was one of the Psalms by one of the sons of Korah. And what I love, he talks about this, I'll be exalted among the nations. And the very last word in that Psalm is the word Selah, which literally means to stop, to pause, and to calmly think about it. So the psalmist is saying, listen, be still and then pause and calmly think about being still, right? Be still about being still. And it says this, be still and know. So all of our knowledge comes from a a place of stillness. And I want to talk today about God's presence and really making God's presence a priority. And we're going to read just one portion of scripture from Luke chapter 10 that many of you probably have heard before and and read before, but I want to just unpack it a little bit. We're going to start at the end of the chapter and we'll put the scriptures up on the screen for you to follow along. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse number 38, says this, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Right? Now, Jesus had several levels of relationships. He had, he had 72, and the very first part of this chapter, the Bible says Jesus sent out 72 disciples. So he had 72 that, that followed him on a regular basis. But then we know that he also had 12 that he was very close with. There were 12 disciples that he was mentoring on a personal level, Right? And then he had three, Peter, James, and John, that he brought even into a closer relationship, right? But he also had another three. There was another three that he had, and they were his friends, and they were Mary, and then Martha, and their brother, whose name was Lazarus. So those three were also, they were like family to Jesus. They were very close to Jesus. And so he was at at Bethany, which was a suburb of Jerusalem. And so while he was there, he said, hey, I'm going to go see my friends. They welcomed him. They said, Jesus, why don't you come over, man? We're going to have a great time. And so, you know, Mary and Martha, they, they, they just invited Jesus over and Lazarus was actually there and and so some of the disciples were there we got all these men we got to get these men fed man they're hungry and so Martha immediately goes to the kitchen and she just starts cooking up food and you know bless her man praise God for that right I have no I have no problem with that and so she's cooking up this food but she notices that she's alone in the kitchen right and if you've ever been in this situation where you are working and somebody else isn't because this was my childhood growing up. You know, I, I tell, I'm an early, I'm an early morning person. I, I love morning time. You know, I just got back from vacation. I was on a boat. I was up, you know, five something. And, and, you know, there was just a handful of us still up. And I'm just waiting for the coffee. Come on, bring the coffee. Let's go. You know, and the rest of everybody's, you know, in a coma. And I'm, I'm out, you know, the boat, touring the boat. And, and that's just me. And, and, but I get that because 
Years ago, they only used to show cartoons on Saturdays. Does anybody over the age of 40 remember that? All right, so we had Saturday morning cartoons. Well, let me tell you, my dad, when he woke up, he fixed breakfast. And then when he started working, guess what? You started working. What none of this, he was going to work. And Brian, you just enjoy your Saturday. You just relax and watch cartoons. No, no, no. I'm up at 6 o'clock. I'm trying to catch some Scooby-Doo. I'm trying to catch some, some Space Ghost. I'm trying to catch some Thunder the Barbarian. Come on, somebody. Who are my, where are my 80s people at? I'm trying to catch some of these cartoons. Because the minute he was done breakfast and he went into the garage, it was time for me to go to work. Amen. Come on now. What none of this? And my kids, they, they, I, get, I just do the same thing with them. If I'm working, they're working. Get off that phone. Get out of that bedroom. Let's go. It's time to work. None of this, I'm going to work and, and you're going to sit there and do nothing. That doesn't fly with me either. And here's Martha going through the same thing. Now, I can't blame her. And maybe she's in the kitchen and accidentally drops a pan. I hope she heard that, you know. She's clanging pots around, you know. And she's kind of checking, you know. They didn't have doors and houses. So there's just a big opening. And she's kind of looking and she's going, okay, how long is she going to sit there? When she knows I've got stuff boiling over here and frying over here and I'm baking over here. And I've got all these things running around. Ladies, you know what it's like. You want some help. And she finally grabs her wooden spoon comes out to the living room and says, Jesus, she doesn't, even, she doesn't even talk to Mary, right? I'm through with you. I'm going to talk to him. Jesus. And here's what she says to the Lord of the universe. Don't you care? I mean, don't you care that I'm in the kitchen sweating trying to fix all of these hungry disciples that are yours trying to get them a meal i mean don't you care right so let's see what jesus says back to her and jesus says back to martha 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 if you're over 40 you'll get that joke a little bit but Martha Martha and and the reason he said her name twice is because he had empathy he he had compassion for her he was not angry with her he was he was trying to be gentle and tender with her and he just said Martha Martha and he said you're worried and troubled about many things but one thing is needed and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her Jesus, in his love and compassion, in his grace and his mercy, starts talking to Martha, just has compassion for her, and just says, hey, hey, it's okay. It's okay. She's chosen something. She's chosen to sit at my feet and just enjoy my presence. I want to talk to you today about how to prioritize God's presence, how to, how to make it an absolute priority. And the first step is this. You have to know that that realize that life everything life flows from God's presence life literally flows from God's presence Mary sat at Jesus's feet in other words her mentality was this he's the source he's the source has walked into the room the source of all life listen he fed 5,000 with just a, a, a few fish and some bread don't you know don't worry about the food 
He, he can turn water into wine. He'll take care of us. I've chosen to realize that life comes from him. He's the source of everything. If you don't get that, you'll never prioritize his presence. If you think that just, you know, he gives you the goosebumps or just, just some emotion or just some feeling, if you don't realize he is the source of everything, the source of my strength, the source of my wisdom, the source of my finances, the source of my, everything that I have, he's the source. Everything comes from him. He's too important to pass over. He's too important to just let sit there. This is our window. This is just a moment. I don't know how long we're going to have him, but we're going to treasure him while he's in the house. Hallelujah. Do you know why we, we worship on Sundays and not Saturdays? Do you know why we worship on Sundays? You know, in the Jewish culture, of course, you go into the Old Testament, Sabbath was Saturday. It was Saturday. And here's what they would do. They would work the week and then they would go into God's presence and take a day of rest and enjoy his presence. And the New Testament Christians began to meet on the first day of the week for several reasons. One of the reasons was that Jesus was raised on a Sunday, so they consider Sunday to be a holy and a sacred day, and we do still today. But also it's because Sunday's the first part of the week. No longer do we work towards his presence. No longer do we work towards a day of rest. We work from it. We work from his presence. We work from the day of rest. So it's, it's enjoying his presence on a Sunday, and then from there we get the strength to work throughout the week. Amen? Amen? You see, everything comes. Everything comes. Life comes from his presence. The second thing I want to tell you is this. You need to take a fresh look at your schedule. Take a fresh look at your schedule. The Bible says Martha was distracted by serving, which means that something wasn't right. It was a distraction. It was, it was a distraction. It, it wasn't that, that she was doing anything bad. You have to eat. You have to sleep. You have to prepare meals. These are, these are necessary things and sometimes we look at it and go, well, I, I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to go to work. I, I have to take care of my kids. I have to, have to, have to. But we have to really take a fresh look at our schedule. And when we take a fresh look at our schedule, we'll realize, you know, there is time. There is time. There's time to do what, what needs to be done. There's time to spend in prayer and in God's word. There's time to open up the Bible, right? We have time. Somebody said, well, I just can't make time. No, you can't make time. You can make money, but you can't make time. God is the author of time, and he's given us each a certain amount of time, and he expects us to steward and to budget our time. And if we take just a fresh look at our schedule, right, just look at our schedule and go, you know, it is possible for us to spend time with God. Arthur, uh, uh, there was a, uh, an author of a book. His name is Mark Hunt. He said this. He said, if I ever get too busy to pray, I think about Jesus at the pearly gates and how much time I would have spent looking for something to watch at Netflix. Looking on Netflix or looking on Facebook or looking, looking on Instagram or Snapchat and going, you know, I think there was time and I don't want to get to heaven and have Jesus just play back the reel of actual how much time I had, right? Because I had time. 
just depends on how I want to spend it. We're in a, I, I do a marriage group on, on Wednesday nights, and we have a small group, and there's just like seven couples that we gather, and we're going through this video series called His Needs, Her Needs by Dr. William Harley, and, and, and he's talking about, and he challenged all of us on video a few weeks ago to spend 15 hours a week with our spouse, 15 hours a week with our spouse, 15 hours, you and your spouse. And one lady on the video, she actually spoke up. She said, I have five kids. That's impossible. Right? And he said this. He said, well, well, let's look at it. He said, you have 168 hours in the week. 168 hours in the week. He said, now I want you to get eight hours of sleep at night. Now, not everybody here gets eight hours of sleep at night. But let's say, let's just shoot, that's our goal, eight hours of sleep at night. So now you have 112 hours in the week. And let's say you work 50 hours a week. Not everybody works 50 hours a week. But let's say you work 50 hours a week. That includes commuting, your lunch hour, everything. You're going to work 50 hours a week, right? So, so now you, you have about 62 hours and... In those 62 hours, it's going to take you 12 hours to get dressed and to shower that, and eat breakfast. That's about an hour and a half a day. Some of you ladies, you need more. I get it, you know. Some of you men, you need a whole lot less. You need to take more time getting dressed. But, but now you're down to about 50 hours. You've slept, you've ate, you've worked, huh? You've gotten dressed, and now you have 50 hours in the week. And you could spend that time with your kids and you got stuff to do. I understand there's stuff around the house to do, but that's 50 hours that you have. There's time. If we really break down our calendar, if we take a fresh look at our schedule, there is time to spend with God. There really is. The third thing is this. Trade what's good for what's best. So when you've taken a fresh look at your schedule, you have to look at it and go, okay, what on here can I trade? Because what Martha was doing was not bad. I applaud anyone that's willing to serve, right? And let's feed some of these men. Let's, hey, we're all hungry. They're in here. Let's give them something to eat. Listen, there's nothing wrong with that. That's, in essence, that's good, right? It wasn't that she was doing anything bad. It wasn't sin. It wasn't anything like that. It was just she had her priorities mixed up. And even though what she was doing is good, it wasn't what is best. And you have to trade sometimes what's good for what is best. And nothing, listen, as good as she was doing and what she was doing was all right, it wasn't the priority at the moment. At that particular moment, the priority was to spend time with him. And regardless of how busy you are, listen, I know some of you are busy. You're not working 50 hours a week. You're working 60 or more. And some of you are taking the time and you're, 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 you're doing things that are so important, so vital, but you have to just shift and move some things around and you have to say, what can be more important than me spending time praying and reading my Bible, coming to church, enjoying worship? What could be more important than that? There's nothing. So we have to move. Listen, what's this? We move spending time with God to the top. We take everything else. Listen, time with my wife, I love it. Time with my kids, I love it. 
right? And these are just choices that we make. It's just choice. You're going to just trade. Listen, it says Mary has made a choice. One thing, Jesus said, one thing is needful right now. And it's not what's in the oven. It's not what's on the stove. It's not getting the plates to the tables and feeding these guys. They've gone without food. They, they, they've fasted before. And we'll fast again if necessary. We'll eat later. Right now, this is priority. One thing is needful, and here's what it says. Mary chose. A few weeks ago, I showed that video at the end of service when I was talking about leaving a legacy, and I showed that video uh, of a father spending time with his son. Messed us up, right? I had guys telling me after service, don't do that again, okay? Don't do it again. And I remember I was watching that video. I watched it again two days ago. And then yesterday, uh, we came home from the fall festival. And I'm, I'm out on the grill and we're grilling food. And my son says to me, Dad, can we play kickball, right? And I, I just went, absolutely. I just watched that video, man. I said, come on, son. Why? Because it's choice. Leaving a legacy is not these big major decisions, right? It's just a lot of small decisions that are vitally important. And you spending time with God is a small decision to make. It's not huge, right? In other words, it's not huge as far as, as, as difficult. It's not difficult, but it's so vital for you to do. It's vital for you to do. When, when my wife and I go out to eat, we rarely uh, share meals. I'm just not that kind of guy. I just, you know, I, I know those kind of guys that say to their kids, you have some of my food. I've never been that kind of guy. I've always been the kind of guy with the fork going, if you touch my food, this is going through your hand. I mean, that's just me. You know what I'm saying? Because I like to eat. Anybody with me? So I don't share food, but we go out to one particular restaurant. We like to go to breakfast. And we go out to this one restaurant. John G's, and we, we love that place, and they give you these potatoes, these big mound of potatoes, and we always share. She gets something a la carte, I get the Italian omelet, and we just split it up, and I, I just take half the potatoes, and I put them on a plate, and I do that before I eat, right? I don't say to her, honey, I'm just going to eat as many potatoes as I want, and then when I'm done, I'll give you what's left over, Right? Because if I did that, she wouldn't get any potatoes. Amen? There just wouldn't be any left over. I have to separate that, that out first. The fourth thing I want to talk to you about this is put time with God on your calendar. And listen, I don't mean figuratively. I mean literally. I mean type it in. Type it into your phone, put it on your iPad, write it on your calendar, and put it every day. If you have an opportunity to mark daily, how often, not once a month, not once a week, you put it daily on your calendar. You literally type it in and you say, here's my devotion time. I'm going to wake up 45 minutes early. I'm going to wake up a half an hour early. I'm going to wake up this time and I'm going to put it on my calendar. I'm going to set it aside. Because if you think it's going to happen at the end of your day, right? The Bible says in Mark that Jesus actually woke up long before it was day in the morning. 
Now, I know some of you are going, well, Pastor, I, I stay up late. You know, I just, I, I can't go to sleep early. I just stay up late and watch TV. Turn the TV off. There's nothing good after 9 p.m. Nothing good. Okay, 10 p.m. There's nothing good after that. There's nothing. You're just watching reruns. Come on, turn it off. Go to bed and then say, I'm going to get up early. You say, Pastor, I'm not a morning person. I can make you a morning person. I can just make you one. You get up for one month early every morning, boom, suddenly you're a morning person. That's it. It's just, it's just rearranging your habits. And I don't know what time you get up. I'm talking about putting time with God on your calendar. I want to end with this story this morning. I have the story of a young pastor who was talking about putting time with God on your calendar, and he was talking about spending time with God, and he, he's just starting a church, and he's trying to teach his congregation to get into the Word of God, to take the Word of God, to, to spend some time going through the pages, read a Proverbs a day, spend time with God. He's just talking to him about it. And after service, this guy came up to him, and he said, look, I, I'm in advertising, I'm in sales, I'm in a high-pressure job. There's no way I have time to spend with God in the morning. Just no way. And this young pastor looked at this man and said, you know what, I, I hear what you're saying, but I've just found in my life, I make time for the things that I truly value. Amen. I make time for the things that I value. And the man really didn't say much, and he walked away, and, and the church went on, and a few months went by, and he came back to the pastor, and he said, look, I want to, I want to invite you over for dinner. Me and my wife, we just want to have you and your wife over for dinner. And, and the, the pastor accepted. They went over the, the, the couple's house for dinner. And, and as they went over the house, he said, Pastor, I want to show you something. And he walked into this part of the room, and there was a rocking chair. And he said, you know, I've, I heard what you said. And I, I thought I was too busy, but I thought, you know what? I'm going to get up 30 minutes early every day. And I'm going to grab my Bible, and I'm going to grab a cup of coffee, and I'm just going to open up the pages, and I'm just going to ask God, God, show me what your word is saying to me today, and, and I'm just going to go through the scriptures, and then I'm going to pray, I'm going to write in my journal. He said, you know, Pastor, I've been doing this every day, every day. I get up, I go to my rocking chair, I open my Bible, I spend time with God, and God's been speaking to me. He said, in fact... God's been speaking to me so much so that, that I want to help you build the church. They just started the church. He said, I want to help you build the church. I've made a lot of money over my lifetime. I, I, I've got some cash on hand, a lot of reserves. I've been very successful. He said, I, I want to quit my job. I just want to come work, work with you. Just help build the church. The pastor said, well, just so you know, nobody's getting paid around here. And we're all working for free. We're working just to, to grow the church. He said, I don't need money. He said, you know, after a period of time, the church grows. They can pay me a little bit. That's fine. But, but I've, I've done well, and so I'm, I'm good. I'm good for a long time. And that guy quit his job, and he came to work, and he took his advertising background, and, and he, the church just started to grow, and he just became essential to the church growth. In fact, years went by, and they ultimately did put him on staff at the church as the church grew, and he became a staff member for years. The pastor said he was one of his, one of his favorite staff members. The guy was a hardworking guy and just really helped the church a lot. 
And then he came to the pastor one day. He said, you know, pastor, I've been sitting in that rocking chair. God's been speaking to me. And a friend of mine is starting a church in Colorado. And they were living in, in Illinois. He said, a, church, a friend of mine is starting a church in Colorado. And I want to go help him. And the pastor said, well, can they pay you? He said, no, they can't pay me anything. I'm going to have to go back into advertising. But I want to do it. I feel like God's been speaking to me to do it. And so they, he moved his family to Colorado. And every day he'd sit in that chair, just spending time with God, reading his Bible, opening up the word of God, and saying, God, speak to me. Show me what you're saying to my life. How can I apply the word of God to my life today? And he helped that pastor grow the church in Colorado, became a great church. And it wasn't long after that, that ultimately he passed away. The pastor from Chicago came and did the man's funeral and then went up to his wife after the funeral and said, man, that was some chair. He said, what are you going to do with that rocking chair? And the woman said to the pastor, my husband's life was changed in that chair. Changed in that chair. And so we're going we're gonna to pass that chair on to our children and to our grandchildren. And I heard the pastor tell the story, and then he says this, where is your chair? Where is your place? Where is, is your setting, right? It could be at a restaurant. It could be that you go to the job, you go early, you get in your cubicle, or you get in a truck, a work truck, and you, you, you just put it in park and shut the engine off and you open up your Bible and say, okay, God, here's my time with you. For me, it's my back porch. I go on my back porch and I just go out there with a cup of coffee and I open up the word of God and say, God, just speak to me today. Where is your chair? I'm gonna ask Pastor Mark to come this morning. and I wanna pray for you today on this Palm Sunday. As you take steps to prioritize your time with God. I could tell you this. I could preach a lot of sermons on evangelism and, and, and getting out there and, and winning the loss. And so much of it is so important. I could preach on faith, right? I could preach on healing. I believe in that with all of my heart that God heals today. Freedom and deliverance. But I don't think there's any sermon I could ever preach that would be more important than spending time in God's presence. You have to put it on your calendar. You have to put it every day on your calendar. You have to schedule it. You have to prioritize it. You have to move things around. You have to shift things that are, that are good and decent and sometimes even necessary. Hey, we need sleep and we need time with our family. We need to spend time with our kids. We need to make money. We need to pay bills. We need to get to work. We need to do all these things. But nothing is more vital, more important. Jesus said one thing is needful above all else. The other things aren't, aren't, not that they're not needful, but one thing right here, right now is needful. This is a priority that you spend time with God.